Hey, welcome to Eat, Pray, Vibe, a podcast about the photo community we all know and love. We're delivering a light, high-energy, behind-the-scenes look into the lives of some of your favorite creators. And just a quick banter disclaimer, please don't take this too seriously. We're just vibing over here. After an intro segment, we've aptly coined the banter reel. The pod is broken up into three sections. Eat, where we discuss how creators are putting bread on the table and going about their day-to-day lives. Pray. This is where we talk shop about dreams, life goals, projects, and maybe even photography. Who knows? Vibe is about what we're into lately, whether it be creative work, rigs, music, books, you name it. To get to know your hosts, that would be us. Here's a pair of carefully curated LinkedIn bios. Hey, I'm Brian, a Wisconsin transplant based in beautiful San Francisco who takes photos for a living. I'm a campfire connoisseur, Pacific Go lover, proud Jeep dad, and most likely to forget my SD card at home. And I'm Zach, a creative also based in San Francisco that develops apps for a living. You'll find me shooting film any chance I get and spending weekends exploring the West Coast in my old Land Cruiser, also known as the Vibe Wagon. My friends call me uncle and I'm still not sure why. All right, now that we've briefed you on ourselves and this podcast, kick your shoes off, grab a beverage of choice, and join us aboard the SS Good Vibes. Kevin, welcome to the podcast. We want you to introduce yourself. Um, who are you and what would you say your spirit animal is? Uh, man, that's a tough question, actually. Uh, okay, so my name is Kevin Kinghorn. I'm originally from Washington, uh, Seattle. Then I moved here to Salt Lake City. And then um, I guess I'm a photographer and cinematographer. I mean, I did that for years, and like now I work for Backcountry, and I do a job with them. But I think if I had a spirit animal, I feel like it would be a mountain goat. Yeah. Oh. I'd go with that. I'd go with that. I mean, they get like really like high up there. They like climb stuff, and then I don't know. They just hang out at high altitudes, like in salt deposits. That sounds tight. <laughs> unreal honestly that that speaks to me on a spiritual level it just sounds so great you know you basically just said hi my name's kevin i like to lick salt hey man there's a reason i moved to salt lake just saying there's no correlation in high high elevation (laughs) that's 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 super solid thank you thank you i i like that that's that's a that's a great answer um and then just take us through what your um, what's been your quarantine fit of choice for the past week, would you say, or how, however long you've been locked? Oh, down. It's, we're just we just want to know what you've been living in. That's a tough question too, because working at Backcountry, I just know a lot about technical gear. But it's really funny. I'm one of those people that like I've been putting on jeans every other day. Like I have nothing to prove. I just want to wear jeans while I walk around my house. But other than that, like <laughs> I'm wearing um, some Prana pants because I actually was not really a huge fan of their pants. But then I randomly was able to, like, talk to a rep, like, get a pair through working at Backcountry. And then I have to, like, literally talk myself into, like, wearing sweats and not those pants because they're so comfortable. But I've been, like, living in those for, like, the last five days. Nice. What about the upper body? What we got going oh, on? Oh, dude, there? I've been going shirtless, like, every day. Yeah, shirtless? like, eating full meals, like, no regrets. Doesn't matter. Just, like, let it all out there. You just, you just like, let your chest become a big napkin? Yeah, dude, it's a solid table. It's great. <laughs> I this is this is all channeling very well into the whole spirit animal you chose. I feel like mountain goats don't care what they're rocking either, and they're they've always got the most technical gear on, bro. They've got they've got their um their whatever's on I their feet, like, like holding like on to rocks. Yeah, yeah. 
they they just they they care about the bottom. They don't they don't care what's on top. That's true. And then they then they just shed that shit every once in a while. <laughs> very true. Very true. <laughs> Plus, I want one of those like gnarly. Unreal. Yeah, I'm surprised you don't have one actually. Oh, dude, like I have some Asian genetics. Like facial, like facial hair for me is interesting. Yeah, maybe um maybe you should just get a fake goatee that you wear when you climb. That'd be the way to do it, you know. Like it'd be for warmth. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta you gotta protect the chin, dude. <laughs> cool, dude. So I'm a big fan of your rig, but could you please get into what do you drive? Oh man. Uh, so about four years ago, I picked up a, uh, Toyota Land Cruiser, like a, uh, 1989 FJ 62. And it's been a fun process owning that car. Uh, didn't your, you told me your radiator exploded on you not too long ago. Yeah. So, uh, I'm going to go into all the maintenance of the car cause it's all like interestingly related in the same period of time. But when I first bought the car, it was only getting like seven miles to the gallon out in Phoenix. This guy like kept it really, really like, like well up to like, kept it in like really good condition the entire time, but like it definitely needed like some work. So when I got back, um, I was like driving from Phoenix all the way to Washington, and like my brake stopped working, which was interesting. Like I was on the freeway, like coasting like I five. Like I think I was in like Southern Oregon when I noticed like my brakes hella definitely don't work. But I was like, ah, oh, we'll just we'll just figure it out, you know got off at a few stops like didn't have to really stop at any stop signs or rural areas and like just rolled into like gas stations and eventually like got it all the way where i needed it to go which was in this neighborhood with like a flat section and i arrived at like 2 a.m so there's no one on the streets but i was able to get it like right into the parking like into the uh driveway and then literally like just put it in park and then from then i rebuilt the brakes and then for literally like two years that car ran like solid 100 percent, super fine like no issues whatsoever like, other than the brakes, I think I just replaced uh, most of the wiring w- from, like, the standard eighth-inch, like, copper wire to, like, the one-fourth, just so, like, it would get better, like, connectivity. Uh-huh. But, yeah, like, literally went everywhere with that thing, drove it all the way here to Utah, and it was, like, fine, and then drove it all the way through Utah, and everything was good, and then literally went to the Tetons, and just, like, out of nowhere. Like, uh, I guess from where the heat and pressure was building up in the radiator, it wasn't catching on the sensor on the gauge for the truck. But I also didn't know that those are notoriously usually wrong anyway. But yeah, literally uh, <laughs> the thing exploded like on top of Shadow Mountain, which is like that mountain most people camp at to get a like a solid view of like the Tetons and the valley below. So literally exploded oh, yeah. right on top of that thing. Yeah, Zach, we were up there. Yep. You guys trying to photo- like photograph foxes or anything? Or? Uh, no, we didn't get to any photographs of foxes, but we camped out yeah. where we were talking No, about. that place is sick. But yeah, yeah, down at the top, radiator exploded, all my coolant fell up. Like out of the bottom, nice. Yeah, it was yep. sick. Been there. And then uh, literally, like, <laughs> did the best patch job I could. Like the fins, obviously, on the back side of the radiator, like, completely exploded out. I'm not sure if you're like familiar with cars, but like, yeah, it was a fuck yeah. job. But I poured it in with some water and I drove it down to the very base of that mountain where it broke down again. And I was hoping I could like just replace everything myself, just get the radiator out, and then get a replacement radiator, and then put that in. And then it just ended uh-huh. up being such a messy job. Like, I had to pay for my tow from, like, there into Jackson. And then I ended up living in Jackson. And then, like, for, like, a week while they, like, fixed my car. And then, God, even that was so messed up. <laughs> they literally ordered the wrong radiator. And I told them it was the wrong part. And he goes, like, no, like, see this part number here? And I was, like, yeah, but I know that's the wrong part number. And he was, like, no, no, it's okay. But, like, I also trusted him because, like, you know, like, I'm just a kid. Like, I don't know anything. Like, he's a mechanic. He owns his own shop. Like, he's the owner of the shop. And then uh, literally, like, four <laughs> days later, 
the radiator came and it was the wrong radiator and you had to go back and order the one that I gave him. But yeah, literally uh, lived in Jackson for like a week and a half, just like waiting for my truck to get repaired. That's unreal. Were you, were you just camping on like the side of the uh, road? So it was or... before like, what were you doing? Uh, my friend Jackie and, or my two friends, Jackie and Steve, like Steve Sorrell and then uh, Jackie, I don't know why I only know her by like Instagram name, but like Jackie Legs. Um, I do say Jackie's last. I like neither do I. That's the thing too. Yeah. Is like we always like we used to get drinks and talk about her last name, and then she's like, I don't know why you can never remember, but here I am again. Like I can't remember. But yeah, uh, it was before <laughs> she was leaving to go meet up with Steve in Seattle because they just moved there, and I just moved here. Um, and we just like went to go camp up there with like a few other friends, and then when my car exploded, like I'm one of those people. Where I'm like, okay, like I'm gonna handle this. Don't worry about it. Like you guys head off. So they drove back to Salt Lake. And then that's when I realized I bit off more than I could chew. And I was like, oh, shit, like, I'm stranded here and I don't know anyone. I forgot about this, like, one person that Jackie knew in Jackson, Megs, who works for, like, TGR, like, Teton Gravity Research. And then she was like, yeah, like, I'll house you for free. Like, it'll be sick. I ended up literally just, like, living with her and, like, falling into, like, her friends and, like, rafting friends for, like, two weeks and just, like, hung out with, like, the funnest, like, oh. TGR crew of people. They were all, like, semi-pro snowboarders. And they kept saying, like, no, like, come back. Like, it's gonna be sick. And then I was like... Fuck that. I haven't been on a snowboard literally in like eight years. Not starting now. But still, yeah, super rad team of people. <laughs> so two side notes. Um, I also overheated with, with Brian when I was driving my Land Cruiser uh, up over the Montana-Idaho oh, no border this summer. Yeah, ended up uh, throwing all my coolant on the ground. Brian had to drive me like – I had no extra coolant with me like an idiot. Brian had to drive me like an hour each way to the closest oh, gas man. station to get more – then I uh, drove it, like, a couple more hours to Missoula. I, like, took it to a mechanic, and literally every mechanic in the town was, like, busy for the next couple of days. So no one could even look at it. for. And uh, I was basically stuck just, like, living out of hotels that in Missoula. That sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and Brian was with me for, like, a <laughs> then day. he dipped out? Then, dude, he dipped out because his car's <laughs> windows, they rolled down, and then they wouldn't go back up. Oh, my up. God. This is such <laughs> – that sounds like such a heinous trip. It was – Kevin, I drove this summer before I actually got my um, acceptable Jeep. <laughs> was um, I had a 2001 Buick Century. I left my full-time job in um, San Francisco July 1st-ish. And then I basically drove that thing around half of the summer with... Uh, Wait, you don't know how to take out, like, a door panel and, like, raise a window? Uh, I tried telling him we could do it and he uh he didn't really want to you're, listen hold to on me. you're telling me like as a photographer <laughs> living in san francisco you let your buick like with a window half open just sit on the streets of san fran and nothing got stolen oh he just uh it was taped up with blue duct tape and like nobody wanted anything to do with it wow nobody ever broke into my absolutely shit. amazing honestly it's <laughs> unreal zach and i've talked about this a lot i have like the dumbest luck of all time yeah um yeah yeah there's i just have no no reason to be this lucky in a lot of ways and that wow. like, kind of amazing <laughs> well yeah that happened what is your preferred adult beverage and why cheap cheap i will cheap add. yes like we're talking you're you're with some homies like driving to lone pine and you go to the nearest liquor oh, store man, like, what, what's your course, what's your go-to Cool. We're talking, yeah, we're talking, banquets. talking banquets or lattes? Not, definitely not like the piss beer. We're talking about like the banquets, like the gold labels, those sweet, sweet cans. Speaking of the next subject matter, you're reaching into your Yeti for a banquet. What else is in that Yeti when you're on a road trip? Ooh, like, uh, what are Cajun your, and Dewey sausage, for sure. 
Um, yeah, because that cool, stuff, cool, cool, you cool. toss in anything. That that answer came out so... Dude, so I like... I I'm, I'm hungry now. It goes in my Yeti, because I usually <laughs> start with, like... If I go on a day trip, I have, like, a day one meal. And if I yeah, go on, you like, have a, a five-day trip, there's, like, a meal for every single day. But, like, that first meal is always the same first meal I always do. And then it just progresses from there. But, yeah, it's usually that and, like, frozen potatoes. I usually have, like, zucchini, mm-hmm. cucumbers, uh, mushrooms, yellow squash, uh, bell peppers. We've kind of been going ham lately with, like, camp cooking, but... Brian got to experience that in uh, Alabama yeah. Hills. Yo, again, idea. again on the subject of me being just lucky, like that's that's, <laughs> that's another example. Yeah. <laughs> so this next segment, last part of our intro, Kevin, we've got fifty-fifty. We're going through five questions, and you are going to answer one way or the other. So to start, we've got Wranglers or Levi's. Levi's. Tecate or Modelo. Tecate. Takati. <laughs> um, lighter or matches? Matches. Mountains or beaches? Mountains. Body wash or bars? Bars. <laughs> Let there be bars. Let's go. All right, you're looking at four out of five. Four out of five. What, what am yeah. I like pitted against here? Oh, just our basically our objective subjectivity. Yeah, it's just a quick vibe check before we, you know, continue on. <laughs> okay, okay. I wasn't just, sure if there was, like, right answers to those questions. Or... vibe sections alone. Mm. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. But you got you got four out of five. And we won't tell you which one you missed until after the episode, but just, just let it be known to the all, you know, however many of our listeners there are that you indeed passed. So congratulations, Kevin. You should be very beautiful. proud of yourself. I- I'm proud. I mean... Dang, I was almost perfect, but you know, hey, Who, who's clapping? <laughs> <laughs> Your boy. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, so Kevin, as you as you're familiar from the beginning of the episode, um, the structure that we've got throughout the rest of this is eat, pray, and vibe. Um, they should each take about the same time, but we're on eat, so we want to know how how you're eating. How do you provide for yourself? How are you putting bread on the table? Take us through what a day in the life of Kevin, the provider, looks like. Uh, well, are we talking like pre-coronavirus or like now? We're talking pre and post. Okay. Well, let's um, go. Let's go pre. Go pretend pre. like pretend like the world is at like absolutely okay. So I uh, actually have a really bad job with Backcountry.com. What I was doing previously, before up until like literally this week. Um, I was, like, working as, like, a uh, account manager for them. So, like, basically, I, like, managed, like, mountaineering companies. Like, I've, like, worked with, like, RMI and Alpine Ascents, um, local like, climbing you have, gyms. You have, like, a handful of accounts that you Yeah, manage. like, I make sure they have, okay. like, all the gear that they need, basically. Like, I'm just their gear provider. And then um, I would do that Monday through Friday. But, like, I'd have, like, loose hours. Like, I just had to come in for eight hours. And I had to come in anytime between, like, 7 a.m. and, like, noon. Hmm. But... Okay. Yeah, it also had, like, really good, like, paid time off where, like, there was just this calendar request and we got, like, 20 days out of the year just to, like, select and then uh, block out. So, like, even when I'd, like, go work on photo jobs and stuff, like, I'd get paid for that time out of office, which was sick. And then um, on, outside of that, too, i just do collaborations. How did you uh, end up at Backcountry? Um, I took photos for them in, like, 2016 for range um they launched like a in-house brand and then they just like wanted me to do some photos for social 
and then did that and then really became well acquainted with the company and then uh august of that year i like summited mount rainier with rmi and then all the equipment i bought was through backcountry because after i did that work for them i was like dang like they have actually like really good stuff for like really great prices and then i was like oh well they're based in utah and then i think like three years later i was like living in washington and i wasn't sure like really what i wanted to do anymore i just knew i needed a change of scenery and then yeah moved here to utah because it's cheaper and then uh the mountains are way closer and then yeah it's just all worked out and what are you doing uh post coronavirus uh now i wake up and i go to my kitchen and uh <laughs> me and five of my friends three of which live here um and then one of them who doesn't we just like sit around our kitchen table with like the longest like the world's longest ethernet cable like 100 feet from our router box downstairs all the way upstairs to the dining room and then we all sit around our computers and yeah just look up youtube videos <laughs> this is the backcountry land club yeah we call it like our main office is called gho and then uh, we just call this gho 2.0 as it stands right now in corona land like do you like do you like your job do you see yourself doing it much longer would you want to be getting back to doing like creative stuff full-time like what's your i guess now is not definitely not the time to be doing that as much but um what's your whole perspective on keeping corona in mind and like what what the next six months could look like what what do you want to do yeah what do you think you can do uh you know you're totally right now is probably a bad time to try to restart a business so anyone who has like business planning probably wouldn't do it but here i am um literally i think it was like february i started accepting contracts again just because um mm -hmm. i stepped away from that line of work just so i could like take some time to figure things out like just with what i wanted personally and like what i was looking for and then now that I have all those skills, I was like, all right, now's the time to like start doing things. So I started hopping in, like got a contract with a few companies and like I've been slowly making leaps to like move to freelance. Even now, like sitting down, I've just been working on ways I can like expand a brand and have an identity. And uh, yeah, like backcountry has been great. It's a really awesome point to just be at. It's just one of those jobs with like, with what I do, it's one of those jobs where it's not good enough that you want to stay, not bad enough you want to leave. So before you know it, you know, like eight years of your life passes and you realize you're still in the same job. I'm just realizing I probably shouldn't do that. And like I'm a year and a half into it now. So I'm getting back to freelance and it's been, well, it was going really great until this. And then now I don't know what's going on with like three different travel uh, collaborations I have set up. So we're just TPD <laughs> on Yeah, those. Dude, it's really, yeah. I'm, I'm bummed to hear that you got some steamrolling and you were excited about it again and basically had the carpet ripped out from underneath you because I definitely um, had the same thing happen to me among many other creators which sucks. Yeah, you're um, supposed to go to like Vietnam, right? I would be in Vietnam right now. Man. Working. That's yep. that's a huge loss. I'm so sorry. Yeah, it's it's cool, man. I'm just lucky to have a roof over my head and um, not be in a total financial crisis. But yeah, it's like it's forced everyone to have a big reevaluation of like what they're going to do with their personal like businesses. Like, yeah, um, I'm I'm a full time photographer and like I had a ton of business yanked, including a trip I was supposed to be on now contracts for the next couple months. Just like everything's postponed. I like was talking to a director of marketing that I work with regularly. And I, I frankly asked him, I was just like, hey, like, do, are people like paying for anything right now do any marketing departments have budget in the industry and he was like no everyone's on a freeze yeah that's what i got too there's an agency that like tosses me work every once in a while they're like non-exclusive called collectively they're actually based out of san francisco but um 
Yeah, yeah. I've met them before. Yeah, they're super rad. They, like, send out, like, stat reports and stuff. And uh, the lady that, like, I normally work with, her and I were talking for a bit about, like, um, just basically where the industry's moving. Because the last stat she sent me, like, we ended up having a conversation about was 2016 to 2018, only, like, I think uh, 17% of businesses were, like, utilizing social media for marketing. And then from 2018 to, like, 2019, that market grew by 30%. And it was only going up in an exponential rate. So now there's like all these budgets that have been factored in for like social. And like, I definitely experienced what she was talking about when I came back where it was like, oh, like debating budgets anymore or like having a budget to work with for photographers wasn't that hard of a conversation anymore. So it was like really easy to like navigate those contracts. And then now like I talked to her because I was like, yeah, is it still the case? They're like, what's up? She's like, no, everyone's literally on like a freeze. Like there's (laughs) everyone's like slashing budgets left and right. And then country like we have our own influencers and stuff but i just saw that like marketing budget get slashed and then yeah it's it's kind of been like a little bleak i was like uh this is not this is not the year yeah really sucks dude um not a good time to be eating (laughs) as a freelance (laughs) yeah no not a lot of rice and beans baby (laughs) i mean do you feel like do you feel like it's all the budget slashing has been completely because of coronavirus or was it kind of happening before all this went down. No, it was a hundred percent like a spike up. Like there was so much money in the industry, but like budgets were just written for this quarter. I know for a lot of big businesses. And uh, I just know it's like definitely one of the first things to go, especially now. Like it's not even about your brand, like making a lot of money. It's about like fast capital, like money that you immediately make. I know with backcountry, like it was sales that were making through the site paid for like our rent and stuff. And then now that we don't have that, like, we have to have like all these asset managements. Okay. Like what can we liquidate to be able to be cash positive for now? Cause mm-hmm. you can like be negative equity, right. but like you can't live in that space so long before you end up like not just declaring bankruptcy, but like losing everything in the process. So I think a lot of businesses right now are just trying to like really play it safe and just, you know, slash those budgets for now to stay cash positive. Cause I'm not sure how much, like how long they're really going to have to shut down for it. And I think it's the scariest thing about this whole thing. Totally. Yeah. Another anecdote yeah. to that is like, I, I think there's also just like the shock value. You don't have marketing departments thinking about their next collaboration. You have them thinking about like their budget and how they're going to like make it last for X amount of months. And like some of them might even be getting pulled into like more finance meetings and stuff like that. Like the energy is just not there Yeah. right now. Um, it's so, and there are so many distractions that it's like, nobody's even having these conversations anymore. And then maybe a month from now, they'll be like, I guess we were talking to these people about doing this, but now we don't have money for it. So it's like, it's like a, almost a double whammy in a way. Yeah. Well, even then, like, um, a lot of the collaborations too, like, I think if you have a collaboration right now, it's not even like the, like the budget was slashed. So like, you might not be able to do it anymore. Like there's been a few cases where with like mine, we just have to set the date back and we have to restructure exactly what the strategy of the campaign is going to be just because they were like set and marketed for April. But like now, like obviously April's out the window, like no one's going to go like this one's with like a travel company. Like no one's going to want to take like a, you know, a vacation and go on like a tourism like thing when uh, literally you're not allowed to leave your house. So we have to like yeah. restructure <laughs> that. And like, it was also something we were trying to do, like ramp up for like, People like starting to book over the summer, but now we like can't do it at all because we're like, well, is there going to be a summer? So yeah, right. That's a very scary thought. Is there even going to be a summer? Well, it's funny, man. That's a wild year. It is, man. If if like Yosemite is closed all summer, I'm going to be pretty sad. Yeah, same. I mean, 
it sucks that all these things are like closing down and like things are getting hard. I've been taking this time with like, what can I personally do? Like, I don't know how to really describe this. Like two years ago, everything was moving so fast with the jobs I was doing and where I was going. I didn't have any time to like slow down and like think about my brand or like what I could be like providing. Like there's all these different ideas that I had or I have now for like where I want to go, but kind of sitting in my house has been nice. Cause like, I mean, I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of like playing my cards, but like, if, have you guys ever heard of like Spark AR? Uh, no. Okay, so Spark AR was like a program that was built by Facebook for augmented reality filters for like face filters. So yeah, oh, right. Instagram yeah. just recently opened that market, so now like any user can like develop those through that free program online. I thought it'd be sick, like if photographers actually played with it and built their own filters that they provided for their followers and stuff. I think that's where that tool is going to lead in the market. So right now I'm just like learning it and like developing my own filters through like coding and then having to use like color math, which sucks ass, but it's been <laughs> fun trying to figure out. But yeah, talk, talk to our uh, our coding god Zach about any problems you might be running into. Oh, it's, <laughs> yeah, uh, man. Spark AR is actually built where you can code if you want to code, but they also have asset tools, so like you don't need to code. It's been pretty sick. Yeah, well, it pretty help. I'm a software engineer, so I Dude, got I'm you. way down. But yeah, literally, like, I don't know, it's kind of nice. Like, just hitting, you can just think of assets and things you can build for your brand. Like, if you don't have presets, you can build those. I don't know. It's like a time to, like, just really build your identity for your brand. Like, I think that's kind of nice. Yeah, that's a dope idea. Yeah. I think I saw uh, Short Stash come out with a a filter not too long ago but i haven't seen any other photographers yeah it's like literally him and i think jake chams are the only people i've seen actually develop like filters for instagram stories yeah it's such a good idea like rather than having to take that like story and save it and then like pull it into like visco or something else and then pull it back into stories i mean the only reason i throw it out there too is just because like as much as i want to be someone who's like oh like i really cornered on that like seeing other people build and collaborate off that is so sick especially because like Playing with this program like the last week, there's just so much you can do with it that it'd be so sick to see what other creatives can do with it. Totally. How did you get started on that idea? We were just sitting around at like in the kitchen area, which I guess is my workplace now, and we're all just talking about things. And I started thinking about how we could use like Spark Air to develop filters, and we just built off that idea. That's sick. Sounds like you've kind of got a a bit of a startup culture in your, uh, your yeah house. all of us work in uh the creative industry like um all of us there work at backcountry doing that but have also had backgrounds in like styling or like coordinating and then um the girl uh who was who's been sitting next to me she's a senior designer for like albion so she's just sitting there working like web content like all day that's that's yeah. awesome half the time we're just sitting there like taking Dude. shots and deba- like dividing how we should like be designing something we all just kind of take on a creative project i don't know it's fun that's super sick. I kind of wish I had that kind of a uh, work environment here in SF. Oh, that's weird. Maybe you guys could come join in Salt Lake City. Yeah, man. Or uh, you can... Kevin, give me the give me the SLC upsell one more time, right there. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Uh, just all this space and all these couches, but uh, no one on them. Huh, weird. Just two questions. What's your address, and how do you feel about bunk beds? Uh, as a man, did we just become best floor, Like, not, like that sounds amazing. Having bunk beds. <laughs> Yo, how about how do you feel about Japanese futons? Ooh, like IKEA ones or like what are we talking? We're talking mat on Perfect. the floor. Yeah, I'm down with that. It's like basically a mattress, but then you roll it up and there's like room for activities. <laughs> so you're talking about like a yoga mat? <laughs> a yoga mat, but like maybe a little less padded. Beautiful, beautiful. So like a piece of paper. Wow. <laughs> oh god. Um, oh, okay, man. we're continuing the eating segment, Kevin. Um, we want to know what the strangest photo gig you've ever done is like 
obviously at some point you had to pay the bills with um, strictly like photo jobs or creative collaborations or whatever those might have been. Um, any any of them stand out to you as just like super weird? Like what the hell was that? Uh, two things come to mind. One wasn't really a photo job. It was just an email I got and I couldn't tell how legitimate it was. It was about a uh, six motor super three pulse vibrating vibrator and they wanted like nature photos of the vibrator <laughs> and then like this was way before like i really did much in photography like i just took photos and like started stumbling into like the commission world and then it was at that point where i wasn't like sure what things should be priced at but these people were like we want six photos for two thousand dollars and at this point i think i was like still shooting on that canon xti and i was like there's no way they want dildo photos from this camera like, <laughs> yeah, I ended up not taking that job, but that one definitely stands out. The other one is probably uh, this whiskey company. I won't say who it is, but I did photo work for a whiskey company when I was 20 because uh, they just they Fire. just never asked for my age verification. And I just got afraid that they would ask and they just never asked, but they loved the shot a lot. And then randomly that shot ended up getting me like six whiskey jobs later. Yeah. Wow. It was uh, it was wild. Like, start start him young. Well, it's funny too, cause like I literally had an idea for the shoot at that time. I was living in Portland, and I wanted to go out to the coast and like have all these friends and like a fire and whatnot. And then um, it was just one of those stories where like a shoot just goes awry, and like for whatever reason, like our talent bailed. It started like pouring rain, and then on the way back to Portland, I was just gonna take the L and like be like, yeah, I don't have anything to turn in. I was just like, no, 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 I have to get something. Literally pulled off on the side of the road, just held the bottle of whiskey in my hand, shot it at like 24 mil, and then just got a shot of just the bottle in my hand. That was it with like trees and like this mountain in the background, just like this random pull off on the way back to Portland. And then I turned it in and I knew it was like one of those things where like you turn in dog shit and you expect it to be bad, but they're like, we love it. Like, this is the best. Like, this is amazing. Like, yeah, this works. And then after that, like, I thought like maybe they're they're just trying to be nice. But then that same photo was referenced like five other different times, like from other whiskey companies where like, we want something like that. And I was like, this is so weird. Oh yeah. my God. The hold, the hold my hand, just kidding whiskey shot. I think that's viral. what it is. Like, it's a lot of like sad dudes just drinking bourbon. Cause they're like, man, I could be holding some girl's hand, but instead I'll hold this bottle. Like it's just good marketing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> who needs, who needs a, who needs a girl or a significant other when you can have whiskey exactly that's that's it it speaks to the heart that's that that's emblematic of the image you shot right it's like oh wow like this is all i need like i just need whiskey trees if you're asking if that's what my uh, it it could it could all be if you're asking that's what like my empty road uh complicated plan was yes that's exactly what i was planning yeah i knew i was going to create art that day you know (laughs) (laughs) nice um what would you say is the your favorite photo job that you've ever taken? Ooh, um, I definitely want to say probably where Patagonia in Alaska on the Arctic Wildlife Initiative. Uh, basically, it was just to protect like this. Uh... Wow, flex. <laughs> dude, it was wild. Um, actually, this is a good story too because I got an email and then it was an agency, but they didn't want to announce like exactly who the client was. They just said like, "Hey, would you ever do like uh, conservation work like in a remote area?" um just for like a ballot initiative and then i was like yeah that sounds sick like i really care about the environment and like okay cool like apply for it here and if you get selected we'll move forward and then i applied and it was for like the alaskan uh national wildlife refuge um which they have like a really terrible website 
but like i was like okay like we'll see what happens from this and then uh someone from patagonia reached out and was like yeah like you're part of the collaboration right like i'm here to work with you on that and then that's when i realized i was doing photo work for patagonia and then that's when i was like this is insane <laughs> but yeah literally we just like traveled through alaska just photographed a bunch of different areas and then uh yeah, that's pretty much it. Like, we just got to, like, photograph different tundra areas that were, like, um, described by Republican lawmakers as barren wastelands. And then we were there to photograph that it wasn't, that it was actually, like, there to, like, help caribou herds. And, like, if any of that was affected, that would be the direct food sources for a lot of northern communities that can't afford groceries where, like, a gallon of milk is, like, $6. So, yeah, we did all of that work. Uh-huh. It was a really sick project. And then uh, we got the initiative passed. And then I think two months after that, Trump got elected and then the EPA was disbanded. So that sucks. But everything else about the job was super sick. <laughs> wow. How long uh, ago the shoot was like, that? Um, I think it was like nine days. That was it. Like it wasn't that bad. Yeah, that's that's honestly like a super rewarding, uh, crazy trip that you got to like, basically, I would pay to go on that trip. And you got to yeah, do it. Was it was wild. For yeah, I actually, to this day, like, yeah. I have no idea why they accepted me, but I was super stoked to be a part of that process. Dude, that's amazing. Um, speaking of jobs, uh, what is your favorite email sign-off? Are you a cheers guy? I, Best? Everyone's got their email sign-off staple. Stay stoked, stay stoked. Stay stoked, stay, stay stoned. Safe. Is that what oh I just heard? Oh my God, no. <laughs> stay stoned, bro. <laughs> <laughs> on, that, on that lovely note, Kevin... We are on to the next portion of this podcast. We're on prey. So we want to know what you're praying on. What is like your ideal five to 10 year projection? I like to take things in like micro steps. But if I had to have an ideal future where everything went really well, um, I would be owning a remote cabin just like out somewhere while I continue to keep traveling and taking photos. And then that remote cabin is just really beautifully designed and built by myself. What kind of cabin are we talking about? Ooh. A-frame? Talking about We're talking like some cabin architecture. I wanted to have like some Northwest PNW like okay. cabin feel, but it's going to have a... On the interior that? you're talking? Like on the interior, but you want the exterior to kind of look a little different than what you would normally see in like... Yeah, like I'm playing with like whatever. an exomodern um, like A-frame design right now. Like... I like the idea of an A-frame with the idea of lofts, but I don't want like a traditional A-frame. Like, yeah, not tie. Not tie. My house is beautiful. Love that spot to death. <laughs> but looking for something a little different if I'm gonna build it from the ground up. Um, how much do you know about like building homes and stuff like that? Would you be like venturing into the unknown, or would you just like you know buy I mean, a bag I'm of concrete and go to yeah, work? Contractor, like a masonry worker, but. Uh, I did grow up in, like, a yeah. lower middle-class family where, like, my mom would stay at home until I hit a certain age. Then when she started working, we started having a lot more money. Like, we were still, like, middle-class, but they decided, we're just going to renovate the shit out of this house. Like, literally everything about the house. Like, we added on, like, a master bedroom, like, walk-in closets and, like, stuff. And uh, none of that was, like, through a construction crew. It was literally, like, my grandfather who, like, knew how to do all this stuff. My dad, who's, like, a labor worker, and then my brother and I, who were, like, I think, like, from the time we were 7 and 8 to the time we were, like, 15, just doing hard labor every day, like, just carrying concrete bags and stuff. And I hated that so much when I was younger. But I think now that I'm older, I'm, like, it built character, and I also know how to build stuff now. So, like, I wouldn't be, like, 
definitely not like a project I couldn't probably do. That's awesome. I kind of had a similar um, experience growing up. My dad uh, was a civil engineer and we moved into this new house and it had like a really big yard, but it wasn't maintained well. And so I probably spent the years of like eight until 14 just digging ditches in my front yard to put in like I recognize that life so hard. (laughs) I've had to like dig like uh, four feet deep, like uh, trenches and stuff just for like foundation settings. And then literally just learning electrical after that. It was a interesting time. Like, (laughs) <laughs> I think by 12, um, I didn't know how to balance a checkbook, but I knew how to uh, build like a plumbing system into a septic system. Damn. Yeah, probably, probably way more useful. Yeah. Honestly, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Probably why I take photos. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on from uh, where do you expect yourself to be, which is in this beautiful cabin, um, what what brings you fulfillment in life? Um, Man, personally, it's... It's weird because, like, with my photography, I photograph people. That's, like, probably 98% of everything I shoot. I actually have a hard time with landscapes just because, like, I think it's, like, with people, I find something interesting in, like, the way that they're posed or what they're doing or the way that they're doing it that, like, I get really addicted to, like, shooting that. And in a way, like, what I really, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, like, really love and, like, enjoy is just, like, seeing everyone have, like, genuinely a really rad time. So the new philosophy with the way I've been, like, shooting, which I've been loving a lot is – like I've met like a lot of really cool and inspiring people here in Utah and like they're all people I deeply care about like to the point that they're essentially family whenever I get like a photo job that allows me to bring in other people I just use that budget to just like even like usually like a lot of the profit just to end up having a really sick trip to go somewhere really rad so I can photograph my friends doing rad things which gets the best photo content I take a little hit on like my collection but it makes the shoot easier and it also I kind of like I think it opens up to like help like uh appealing to brands just because like the photos are just like phenomenally insane and then there are moments i can't yeah you gotta keep you gotta keep the tribe eating well to like great photographs like that's exactly gotta be happy right yeah yeah i love that it's because in a in a sense you're not just like selling photos but you're like kind of selling authentic vibes to people right these are your real friends, not just like people you hired for a shoot. Yeah, you're doing you're real like things. Like a talent agency or something like that. It's like right, right. I honestly, this isn't a dude. Some this is kind of like a small, a little bit off topic, but like I, some of the best work that I've seen produced is like very, very scrappy like that, where it's um, like one, one the creators handling the budget, they're the ones producing, and nobody, there's like no hired producer or anything like that, and it's all very just on the fly yeah but it just honestly it i think that's the best way to do it like um, setting up shoots is great and all yeah. like i love that and especially like if you're doing like studio shoots or like you're shooting like fashion stuff like you obviously have to like stage things yeah different but different the idea of just running gun just like moving with it like photographing whatever happens like it's a really good way to actually live in those moments and still get to experience and photograph them because like they're moments that can't be recreated that you're having a good time and you're doing the art that you love and then people you care about are also having like a really fun time getting to like experience all of that all at once is just so uh i don't know it's like refreshing it's just nice i love it yeah and i definitely do see that authenticity in your photos um especially that you know the ones that you have people just like chilling on the tailgate of the land cruiser you got a fire going people are it's just, funny because like, a lot time. of those moments happen um, after all the epic stuff happens where we like go and do a hike 
I'm just so stoked and like we just end up having such a good time I keep forgetting to take photos this is where I've been really bad so then we just always end up back at the car on the tailgate uh-huh. and I think it's funny because I always take those photos and I'm like this is so sick but at the same time like damn this is like all the content I have like it's just a different space same tailgate like it's really funny <laughs> <laughs> oh man um what's a personal goal that you have for this year doesn't have to be photo related or work related but just like what's um, something you're stoked on? i think trying to discover more of the balance of like a work and home life because like before when i was full-time freelance i was literally just taking photos and that was it and i didn't really have time for like developing like friend groups and stuff in places because i was so on the go and i felt like i was missing that portion of life and coming here to utah i've been able to get that and now it's like fitting that in while taking jobs yeah. like I, like i am a huge climber now and like it's crag season like it's literally desert season like you head down to like indian creek you go climb some crags like you go bag some towers i just need to find a way to balance that with like doing photo projects and honestly i'm just so stoked for all the different climbing projects we have set for this year i always hated working out the idea of like lifting weights and stuff or like running on a treadmill makes me sick to my stomach like that just sounds so boring (laughs) yeah (laughs) not into that but then i'm exactly the same I was, I was so, dude, I was like a gym rat in college. I, I was like, I was buff and like had like a, I don't know. Like sorry, I was, you, I was you were it. buff? Yeah, dude. You still got guns, man. <laughs> yeah, See, you know, that's a thing though. No, but like, and then, and then I just like, I fell off and then I just really enjoyed going to the bouldering gym and like going for runs and bike commuting to work. And I, the gym life it's just not, didn't It's not me, a good dog. life. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm the same way, man. I, I love getting exercise doing the things I love. Like, I maybe some people love... I mean, if that's your outlet, I don't know. yeah, but still. Yeah, I, I just started, like... I just started a couple months ago a pretty, like, good, like, weightlifting routine. Um, and even though my entire life I've, like, hated it, I've actually kind of enjoyed it now. Um, See, there you go. So I, I think... I think what's been great about it is, like, I do weightlifting... But then, yeah. like, I'll go climb, and I can climb way That's better like, because, like, I'm just stronger. So it's cool seeing it, like, transition it's more, over. It's more, like, ancillary for you. Uh, define ancillary. I don't know. It's, like, <laughs> it's, it's, like it's, it's improving another aspect of your life. Like, it, it's, but you're not, like, weightlifting isn't your dream. You're, you do it because it's, like, oh, shit, now I'm better at climbing. Yeah, exactly. It, like, just improves other stuff. Yeah. Well, that's and exactly it's also like fun to like work towards goals, right? Like, so I literally like, started like, just climbing inside because I realized it was better than working out. Then to get better, I realized I had to start working out. And then that's what I started doing just because I wanted to do better project. And then I don't think it was, I think it was like until I went outside for the first time, that's when I started taking climbing seriously and like realizing I really just want to stand on top of tall stuff. It wasn't like I immediately like from the moment I touched the climbing board, it was like <laughs> I have to go to Utah and like climb towers. It literally was just like, oh, like this is a good workout, and then I was like, oh, this is like fun. Okay, like now I can go outside and do this. And then now it's well, shit. Like if the midday light is too harsh, like let's just go hit a crag. Like we're here in Moab, like that just works. And then you just bag out a climb, then yeah. you head off and you go like yeah. shoot. Something. Yeah, it's like it's not a bad deal out here in like Utah. It's pretty sick. Okay. Kevin, we're now moving on to the vibe portion of this episode. We want to know, first and foremost, what is your favorite style of photography? It's funny because I always put people in my landscapes. No, you know what? Actually, I'm going to go with portraits just because uh, portraits are just absolutely like amazing just with like 
the emotion you get out of like the subject and the person that's in it. Uh, yeah, that's where it's at. Care to elaborate further? Um, yeah, actually it's funny. Cause when you asked that question, I was staring up at my wall cause I have all these, like these photos and stuff. And like a mass majority are like some landscapes, but like the photos that like I put in certain places cause I love them a lot are like really good portraits. Like, 35 mil like shot like outside because it's like that portrait lens that wasn't really meant to be a portrait lens so like it gets a lot of landscape too but then also like using it as like a macro to like get really in tight end shots like oh that's where it's at get those details (laughs) dude i i really appreciate film portraits too um just to go through that whole process and shoot it all not being able to look at a screen or like see if like the, the the model blinked or something like that um, yep. it's it's crazy not being able to shoot burst unless you're not being able to shoot good. 800 photos in, in a minute and hope one is good kevin you mentioned 35 as a focal length do you have a favorite focal length and is that it or do you have others that you're down with as well it's really funny like i didn't plan on 35 really being like my favorite focal length i think like between 2014 and 2017 like it became the only lens I used for like three years. Um, 35? Yeah. Like it's not that like other lenses like didn't matter or anything. It was just that like, I'd, like at that point, like I think I had like the 35 L one four Mark one. And then I had like a 2470 and like as much as I ever wanted to use the 2470, like I found it easier on like hikes or like out in field just to work with one lens. So it just ended up being the 35. So like, the 35 built my career and then when I started like exploring a lot more into like okay like how can we frame things different how we do things differently like that's when I started using like more lenses and then I kind of fell in with like a 24L and I thought that lens was like it forever and then I think like after about eight months I was like man a lot of this is too wide so then I like stuck to 35 now it's like the only focal length I use I still have a 1635 I use 16 whenever I feel wild and I'm like all right let's go too wide but yeah, no, usually it's just 35 now. 16 is so wide. It is insanely <laughs> wide. It's funny too, because it's like that, it's not like 11 where like in the back of the camera it looks too wide. Like 16, you will shoot something like and look at the back of the camera and be like, that is perfect. And then you take it in the Lightroom and you're like, those fingers are spiders. And then- <laughs> <laughs> Frog legs, baby. Oh, so many frog legs. Uh, I remember because I I borrowed Brian's 1635 for a while and took it on a trip to Morocco and I thought I was just like clipping heaters the entire time Um, and then got back into Lightroom and I realized not only did I have frog leg syndrome but like the edges of like the photo were like way blurred out at 16. Also that that Mark 1 1635 is not gas. Yeah, it's not a great lens. It's so <laughs> soft on the edges, and it's it's honestly kind of a piece of shit. That's the uh, F4 version, right? No, it's the it's the two eight um, Mark One of the sixteen thirty five, and it's just known for being so buttery, like soft in a not good way on the outsides, and then the vignetting <laughs> is also just god awful. Oh man, yeah, so I, I use that shit for like a year and a half only. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, though. That thing got some incredible sun flares. <laughs> it does, dude. I remember when I would, like, line up 
line up my like typical skate photos on that back in the day and make sure to have just sun flare blasting in all my photos just because I thought it was so unique and fun. I mean, it, I till this day, I still think it's pretty sick. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm a sucker for a sun flare. And that lens just gets them like no others I've ever used to do. Apparently, Zach is just big crush on lens flare. <laughs> 35 Mark One. I. I mean, so everyone's got their own vibe, right? Are they better than like the Mark II and the Mark III? Uh, I've never used the two or three, so I can't. I don't have any any comparison. I just I've just used the crusty Mark One and loved it. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Honestly, it's kind of like uh, shooting film and getting bad light leaks in your scans. You know, oh it's like god. it wasn't intended, but it kind of looks sick. You guys are making me feel like I need to pull out my sixteen thirty five more. I think you do. Just do it to feel something. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna bring those frog legs back. You know. I'm just gonna start start cropping everything four or five from now on. So you're I'll, gonna, I'll gonna shart? Uh crop four or five. <laughs> Basically oh. the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yes. <laughs> um, Kevin, what are your thoughts on the four or five crop? Do you love it? Do you not love it? I'm not a huge fan of it, just because. I'm a huge fan of like cinematic crops. So like nine by 16, like nine by 11, stuff like that, like really like slim stuff, even when it is like more portrait, I guess, just cause like, I feel like with a longer frame, you can get like more empty space and I love isolating yes. things like, but four or five is like interesting. Cause like I shoot everything like just ready to be like, just like portrait or like some type of wide that's like wider than five, four. So then like, Whenever I'm like, okay, like, can't wait to post this to IG. And I'm like, fuck, like, it doesn't fit. Like, <laughs> then I'm like, okay, like, do I do that thing where I compromise my art by, like, making it fit 5.4 or do I just post it? And then usually I'll change it and then I hate it because I had to change it. Or I post it and then I hate it because it just doesn't fit. So either way, I kind of just post everything I hate. So, yeah, I guess that's a good <laughs> way to do that question. Yeah, for every great for every great two three photo, there's a terrible four five photo. Confucius. <laughs> oh my god, uh, I have no response to that. <laughs> I'm gonna let that one. Are we die. are we are we agreeing or are we not agreeing? I'm agreeing with that so hard I can't laugh at it because it's kind of just fact. It's just it's so fact, man. I mean, like especially when I first started out on Instagram, I like just didn't understand why nothing I took looked good. And honestly, it was kind of because I had to crop things down to four or five and I was always composing, you know, based off of what I saw in camera at two, three. Um, the least enjoyable thing you can possibly do is be outside doing what you love and in the back of your head thinking, oh, I should leave more negative space top and bottom of frame so this hits a juicy four or five. On Instagram. <laughs> Just for Instagram. <laughs> like, I've I've had that thought before. This is years ago, but damn. Yeah, I thought that too. Or or there's a photo. I mean, like, I had a terrible habit of shooting everything vertical because yep. that's what Instagram is for, right? I like, shot for maybe six months almost every photo vertical without even thinking about it. <laughs> Man. Yeah, I was like, yeah, what am I going to do with all these horizontal it. photos? Like, I can't use them. So you guys obviously like started using Instagram more like when they had like the wide features where you didn't have to only post like one to one square. Yeah, I I really only started using it um, maybe like end of. Uh, yeah, you guys 
you guys don't get to complain then until you have to like <laughs> think every single shot like in camera is like okay this is going to be posted square like how are we going to fit this all like that was the main reason the 1635 came to be like you shot at 16 because you knew when you did that like one-to-one crop like ah. it would kind of balance out or you can cut out the frog limbs and stuff but literally like everything was like square and then if it wasn't like you just had to like border in a third-party app and then post that and then have weird borders i mean if you go back far enough in my feed i think in like 2014 everything was vertical back when things were like still square like for the longest time you will just find vertical photos <laughs> i i was late to the instagram party so i was never a part of square gang and i'm glad i wasn't oh i'm very sad that i was because none of us wanted to be a part of it it was just the only place to post photos <laughs> yeah what about Flickr, dog? Oh, okay, hold up. I got a story about Flickr, man. So, like, in 2013, like, I was, like, taking photos, like, before that, like, I, like, drew and, like, I did, like, uh, ceramics, so, like, I was, like, sculpting a lot, but, like, I didn't really ever do photography, but, like, I wanted to get more into it, so, like, I had, like, a Canon XTI, and I was, like, okay, like, how do I break into the scene more? Took a bunch of, like, macro bangers of grass, you know, like, the standard stuff you, like, get when you first start taking photos that you're, like, no one's ever shot this before, but I have the best eye yeah. that's ever been had. Yeah, just, like, typical high school photographer. Yeah, exactly. Like, fences, alleyways, random-ass black and white stuff because you think it looks more moody. But then um, <laughs> I was like, if I want to learn more about this, I should meet up with other photographers. And I didn't know about Instagram, really, as a platform yet, as, like, a way to, like, really meet other photographers because that vibe hadn't really, like, started yet. But I went to a Flickr workshop and immediately oh. realized those weren't the people for me. Yeah, like, I went. And, like, they're not bad. Like, it's just a bunch of dad togs with, like, tripods with ND filters. And then they just stand, like, in a local park. Like, well, like, this is back in Seattle. So, like, we went to, like, some local park, like Cal Anderson. And they were just, like, shooting anything and everything, staying posted up in the same, like, 20-foot radius for, like, an hour. And I was – and, like, every time I took something that I wanted to be, like, vaguely artistic or, like, slightly off, they are just, like, you need more HDR on that, man. Like, you should be going for, like, F9 at, like, two minutes right now. And it was, like, pure daylight. And I was, like, this is <laughs> this is a lot. <laughs> Kevin, you mentioned something interesting leading up to that. And that was that you've sculpted before. Like, you, I mean, maybe in, like, your high school or early, um, early formative days. <laughs> um, yeah. Can you, can you talk a little bit more about that and also just any other art forms you're passionate about? Uh, yeah. So back in high school, I actually didn't take photos at all. Um, I was a part of like a high school program. Like I'm guessing you guys have like AP classes, right? Yeah. Um, so the IP program is basically like AP, but like on an international scale with like Ivy League colleges. So, like, I specified in art because I knew that's what I wanted to do, but I also knew that I probably wouldn't make any money. But I was like, oh, like, we'll just do this. But at that time, like, I just, like, painted with acrylics, sculpted, and, like, did, like, a bunch of, like, inorganic art forms of, like, I guess pottery. I don't know. I was just, like, 16 and bored and just, like, loved making things. And then um, mm -hmm. it was funny because at that time I always said, like, photography is that art you did if you couldn't paint or draw. But now I can't paint or draw, but I still take photos at least. But yeah, it kind of just like spiraled out from there because like art was like really big in my life, but I just didn't know exactly like how I was going to use it or what I was going to do. But when I kind of hit a mental block with like painting and sculpting, because those materials get really expensive, like once you leave high school, like 
a camera kind of just fell in my hand and then I was like, well, like we'll just do that and all these hikes that I did growing up. And then I don't know, between the combination of the two, I just happened to be at the right place at the right time. So did you approach photography as, um, Oh, like this is an art form that I want to get into. Yeah, that was entirely it. Like I just saw like all these amazing, like city film photos. And I was like, I want to do that, man. That's sick. That's, that's like super different than, uh, how I think Brian and I got into it. Whereas, um, we were just, you know, going on trips or for me, like I had just moved to San Francisco and was walking around the city and just like needed a hobby, needed something to do. And wasn't really thinking of it as art. We're just thinking of it as like a fun thing. Yeah. Mine was my, I think Zach, you and I are fairly similar. Mine was very secondary to just wanting to go on cool adventures. <laughs> yeah. The camera um, got him into all these other adventures. <laughs> yeah but actually it kind of was like a gateway drug um in a way <laughs> yeah yeah I'm, i because i started I, I think i picked up a camera um in minneapolis when i was still going to school there and took it on some fun trips kind of in the area and then immediately when i drove across the country and moved to san francisco um it kind of it was that excuse to just go see this beautiful state and that's kind of what it was for me so it's very different Kevin from what you had just described yeah I think it's funny like people always like I don't think anyone ever like picked up a camera and said like that's something they want to do I think a lot of kids did that but like only very few really keep going with it like a lot lose interest but everyone I know that like has ended up doing something really big in photography or has had like an impact in the uh, community is just kind of just been at a place where they're like, I don't know what I really want to do. Oh, hey, look, it's a camera. And then just really like taken off from there. Like most people kind of just like really stumble into it. Like you can go to school, right? To college and get a photography degree. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you will come out of school as like an amazing photographer, right? It just, it's all about how much like passion and like anything else, how much, how much like work you, you put into it um, along the way. Yeah, entirely. Yeah. So do you have any uh, sculptures or paintings you can send us some photos of? I want to see like what, what Kevin was sculpting back in his formative days. Oh, man. So it's really funny. Um, I have a lot of stuff at my parents' house back in Washington. But like at that time, like until I actually had a camera, I did not take any photos. Like with an iPhone, like with a like just a phone in general, like I just never took any photos. So there's like very few, but let me see if I can find something on Facebook. <laughs> Our man was just so in the moment. Yep. Dude, I mean, even to this day, I rarely take photos like on my phone. I, I, I try to live as much as possible in the moment. Um, but then I end up just being like later on, like, ah, I wish I had like took a photo or some video of what was going on. <laughs> I don't know. For me, it's like it's either a film camera or like nothing at this point. <laughs> Are we are we are we about to go on a whole philosophical um, photo portal right now about being uh, in the moment versus being there? <laughs> yes, dude. Oh my god, I've had so many talks about this because like, I go off, King. I'm, I'm ready for it. I mean, like eight months before like I met you, like I literally like didn't take any photos. Like when I first moved to Utah, I think like I had the camera down. Like I had my five D four, but like I didn't pick it up for like a solid like. I want to say like 10 months, like for 10 months, all I did was like work, climb, drink. That was pretty much it. <laughs> and, uh, it was like, it had nothing to do with like, Oh, like let's be in the moment more. It had everything to do with like, I just didn't feel that like inspired. And like, 
the only thing I think about with those 10 months is it was really great not to shoot. Like it wasn't like I like set a goal of like 10 months. It was just like, I'll pick it up if I ever feel the need that like, I want to do this again, which obviously came back. But now that it's come back, like, I feel like I missed out on capturing like so many moments. It's not even like creating art or like capturing like beautiful, like landscapes. It was just like, I missed so many moments of like just friends and stuff hanging out. And like, I didn't realize that like when you burn out in photography, like, it's not like you're not creating work. It's just you're missing documenting your own life, which really sucks. Because, like, now it's, like, damn, like, all these, like, crazy stories, like, climbing Castleton Tower on 420, like, all these other things, like, climbing Wall Street for the first time. Like, I don't have any of that media. Like, I went from, like, climbing indoor, like, doing some mountains outside, and then, like, all of a sudden, like, big wall face climbing, like, is now just what randomly pops up on Instagram every once in a while. Yeah. No, I, I love what you said about kind of just – capturing the moments of friends hanging out um i i actually recently wrote a little journal entry that i just that reminded me to pull up um should i, should I read off some bars oh please i want to know film has been a revolutionary medium for me i've recently rediscovered moments from the past couple of years that i hardly even remember because i was so immersed in them I look back at these images with an immeasurable gratefulness for simply having had these shared life experiences with some of my favorite humans. The smells, sounds, people, and feelings preserved in these types of photographs are the best gift I could ever have, knowing that I've truly lived. Dang. Bars. That is it. That's the vibe right there. Not bad, eh? Not bad. Not bad. Yeah. I mean, I don't, like know, you... I don't know if we'll put this in the podcast, but uh, on Sunday, this is gonna, it's really weird, but it's totally going to tie back in. On Sunday, um, I did acid, right? <laughs> and, uh, and then um, I run around. Like, All great stories start with. <laughs> well, like the whole idea was like, okay, like we can't really do anything in quarantine. We'll just take some acid, try to take some photos and stuff or like just see what happens. Like no ideas of like where we're going to go, what we're going to do. And like it was a beautiful day of like just taking photos. And if you've never taken acid before. I'm going to say I'd probably recommend it. Just riding your bike, just taking photos. Like I don't know if you guys saw like the Twitter post of like the bike ride. That was literally like a bike trip. Like it was just absolutely wild. But when I came back to my uh, house here in like Salt Lake, just to like get some water and we came back in my room, I was like staring at all these photos. And the crazy thing about acid is like, everything's just so vivid. So like, as soon as I started remembering memories from every single photo, like I just got so overwhelmed so fast with like, whoa, like literally just reliving moments every time I stared at a photo. And I was like, this is insane. Like I cannot imagine people like, like, you don't even have to be, like, a professional photographer or even call yourself a photographer. Like, you just need to keep taking photos of your life because, like, looking back on things, like, having those memories, those crazy moments, like, those quiet times, those weird moments where, like, you're kind of just staring at, like, the edge of sunset and just, like, watching it. And it's just that moment that you have alone. Nothing special really about the place. Just a moment that you remember from a trip. Like, having those little memories, like, come back to you in a trip is freaking insane. It's at the end of the day, it's really all about those moments. Um, and I think that's like kind of when I started shooting film, that's the stuff I started capturing. And I quickly realized that it was way uh, more important to me. And just like the photos ended up being better than whatever else I was trying to take at the time. Man, yeah. Kevin, transitioning a little bit here um, along the same similar lines of appreciating great photography. Do you have a favorite photo book or zine you've loved recently? Cool. Um, forever going to love Home is Where You Park It by Foster Huntington. 
Um, not sure if you guys have heard um, um, of that book, but yeah, it's absolutely amazing. Like a lot of little tiny homes that people have lived in, like just like vans, space culture that they've built while they like travel and like see beautiful sights. Like it's a really good like still life piece. Yeah, I just picked that book up actually. Oh, amazing. Yeah, it's it's great, man. Uh, I mean, any photo book that just has like sweet old rigs, like centered in frame, just like gets me off. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> it just checks all the boxes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's 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 truly really incredible. And like, um, it's it's one of those books that for me is also like inspirational because a lot of it is shot in California or the West Coast. Um, and just seeing all these people kind of like living out their dreams or passions, uh, just like out of their cars, just like. Yeah, it, it makes me really want to do that too at some point. Dude, it's the inspo for like road life for sure. Like that thing is Absolutely. the Bible of builds. Yeah. And it's not even like a full-time road life thing. It's just like, hey, like let's take a week and like drive down the coast with no plan and like see what happens. See what we can serve. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's some remarkable wordsmithery in the beginning of that book. Would you happen to be able to recite a bar for us? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, hold on, hold on. Let me let me go grab the book. So at the beginning of Home is Where You Park It is actually one of my favorite quotes I've ever read. Uh, it goes something like this. Born on a mountain, raised in a cave, trucking and fucking is all I crave. Confucius 485 BC. <laughs> God, yes. <laughs> I mean, if, if that isn't words to live by, I don't know what is. That's the only quote I want to live by when I take photos. I want to remember that quote. Trucking and I think I'm just going to get that tattooed on my arm. I could back that. Yeah. Next to next to a bunch of pine trees. Yeah, maybe some waves too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Probably get some mountains in the back. Uh, if there's got to be a few aesthetic birds. <laughs> yeah, Photoshop some birds into that arm tattoo. Complete the sleeve. You know the fucking vibe. Bro, Photoshop birds, it's been a while. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't think we want to talk about that. No. I think, I think, we, can, I think we can safely swerve from that conversation. Is that uh, something you used to do back in the day? You used to Photoshop birds in every photo? No, but it just was a trend for so long that we would just, like, go crazy over, like, why are these people putting birds in? Anyways, it's just it's funny to think about, about that and how that was, like, a huge thing, like, two years ago. <laughs> and now Zach got to tattoo it on his arm. So yeah, full circle yeah, moment. Yeah. <laughs> he's come around. He's seen the light. Yeah, I now understand the meaning of birds. Yeah, Kevin. <laughs> so we're we're almost through this abomination of a podcast. Um, but before we before we officially let you go, we've got a few more things to cover. One of them being any homies you'd like to support and whose work you have really enjoyed seeing lately. Um, man, there's like a few that instantly come to mind, like Judy Ann Grace, the way that she shoots film photos is just really good. Like her life is just, I have a hard time believing it's not that beautiful, like all the time. Like there's just no way it could be like so beautifully aesthetically pleasing. And then the colors she gets out of her film, the way she processes and like, just like really documents her life is just unparalleled. It's just so well done. Her aesthetic is so on point. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Honestly, it's yeah, man, quite insane, and it's that, all on film. Vibes. Yep, <laughs> I'm sorry. Holy shit! <laughs> and it's all on film. 
<laughs> yeah, <sure>. 35 mm. <laughs> All right, we 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 got our we got our film coming up. We we've we've exceeded our quota. Continue, Kevin. Please get us back on track. Yeah, uh, um, I'm a huge fan of Sophie Kohler too. Just with her composition, uh, the strength of like the contrast of light that she uses, like it always just displays her work so beautifully. And then um, man, her natural—I'm sorry, I'm going to chime in. Her natural colors are amazing. Yeah, seriously, I can't tell. If, like, is she shooting film? Like the washed out colors she get is just so—they so, make me feel something, dude. They're just really, really good. I feel like it's. A I mix. think she's a mix of. Yeah, yeah, Zach, go ahead. Yeah, I think it's a mix, but. Uh... Um, yeah, it's, I think she dabbles in a lot of like medium format and even large format recently. I saw, uh, a lot of really cool stuff. Yeah. See, I love that type of diversity where she can go between like a lot of different mediums, digital, like 35 medium, large, and then just like really like test everything, not really be dedicated to one, you know, like Mm -hmm. I feel like calling yourself like strictly like a digital photographer, like a film photographer, like it kind of just pigeonholes you. I understand it. if like, you're just learning more about it, but Sophie is like the epitome of like what it's like when you master all of those skills and use them all in different settings, but the right conditions. Totally. And then where everything kind of complements each other in a cohesive uh, style that you've like built. It's sick. Yeah. Oh, unparalleled. And then there's also like a Mish that, uh, Oh, man, I'm going to botch your name. I always, like, never know how to say it. But, like, uh, Michono, like, the way that she gets, like, a lot of dynamic range with her color in photos, the way she can go to, like, a lot of places that have been visited pretty heavily and photographed, like, she can go to a lot of popular touristy destinations and come away with such a unique photograph with, like, lighting or, like, structure, the way she, like, composes a landscape. Like, it's just so refreshing to see, like, new shots from, like, old places. I'm actually not too familiar with her. Oh man, yeah, you gotta you gotta go check out her work. It is strong. Michono? Yeah. Nice dude. Uh, it's like M E E S H U N O. I have to say that it's it's like crazy uh being able to see photographs of places you've been through someone else's eyes and just see how differently someone saw it. Um it's it it I think it's really easy to kind of get pigeonholed into thinking that whatever you saw is like the only interpretation and then you just like see something else that blows your mind and you're like, oh wait, I actually need to go back to that spot and like just not even with the camera, just to like see it. Yeah, just to feel it. Yeah. So Kevin, we're wrapping up here. It's been a pretty great podcast. Uh on your way out the door, we need to ask you one final question, and that is to rate this pod on the vibrations Richter scale. Can you do that for us? Zach, you might have to elaborate a little further. Ah, okay. So the vibrations Richter scale is based off of the uh, the Richter scale used to measure earthquakes, or otherwise known as earth vibrations. <laughs> so 6.0 is like uh, buildings are shaking. If it's a nine, like we're probably dead here in San Francisco. Um, a two is Maybe like, still alive in FLC. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um. Yeah, what you got. Okay. Is it like, is it one to nine or like, where does it cap out at? One to 10, I believe. Does it go higher? I feel like there's an 11.0. Oh my God. Well, all right. We need to learn a lot more about earthquakes. All right. Uh, Putting a note to like, look this up, uh, like and go really down the rabbit hole after this is all. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, I would give it. I'd give it like a solid seven. Yeah. Like, okay. It's been it's been great. It's been amazing. Like seven, you know, like people have died, like heavy vibrations, but not so <laughs> overkill, you know, that like no one's left standing. Yeah, like people are gonna talk about it, but you know, they're also they're gonna come back for more. Yeah. This isn't like, it. We de- like we definitely felt the vibrations, you know. We like, haven't we, we haven't killed our listeners, which is a good thing. Well, Kevin, we're pleased to hear that we vibrated heavily for you and hopefully others do the same we have one last question we lied to you what is one quote or piece of advice you live by Ooh, okay i'm a huge fan of quotes right and i could probably give you a few but i've also recently become a huge fan of riddles could i leave you with a riddle go for it by all means all right um so it's like a two-parter so the first part is what has a little dick and hangs down? No guesses, nothing. All right, I, I, I'm, I'm bad with riddles. All right, I'm bad. <laughs> no, what has a big dick and hangs up? Oh shit! <gasps> Damn, he just he left. Wait, huh? <laughs> Thanks for your undivided attention during this week's All Hands meeting. A couple things before we let you go. Please make sure you're following us at Eat, Pray, Vibe for company-wide announcements and info about next week's Lunch and Learn. If you or anyone you know would like to touch base with co-founders Brian and Zach, please shoot us a private message on Instagram at Eat, Pray, Vibe. And last but not least, to help us climb the corporate ladder of success, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And leave a glowing five-star review if the vibes are hitting today. Cheers. Cheers.